he will be able to look after himself and to survive. What is also interesting, which I hadn't really noticed before, is that the father splits his estate equally. It says in, in verse 12, so he divided his property between them. Both the sons are recipients. We hear about how one son goes off to squander his wealth, but the other son who stays with his father is given his share as well. He treats his children equally. And God, I believe, treats us equally. And so to the next section, the separation section of the story. Amongst Christian parents, carers, grandparents, and those who help out with things like Sunday school, youth groups, Y-pods, I'm aware that there is a concern, maybe it's not always spoken about, that our young people will rebel against what they know about Christ and about the church. We are concerned that they will stop being interested in church. The things that have been enjoyed as children they no longer want to be involved in. We put plenty of effort into making sure that we have groups for our children and young people to socialise with other Christians, to learn what the Bible says, to get involved with church and to hear all about what it means to be a Christian. But when they start to ask questions, have different views from our own and start to say that church is boring or irrelevant, we wonder if they are losing their faith or if they will ever find Jesus. We look at other parents, other youth groups, other children and wonder why ours aren't as keen on church as they are. My response is this. Celebrate the questions and the uncertainties. If there are questions and uncertainties, it means that your child is growing up. It means they are thinking for themselves. It means that they are seeing something different about the world and the role of Christ and his church. And they've been challenged. Embrace this maturity and encourage exploration and growth. And actually, this relates to your faith and my faith as well. If you've switched off because you think, I'm just talking about how to be a good parent, and you think that it doesn't relate to you because you don't have kids, because you've been there and done it already, or because you never planned to, then I encourage you to start asking questions. There is a Martin Joseph song that has the line, if you ain't got no questions, then you ain't on the ride. If you don't have questions, then is your faith growing, or has it grown stale? Does it mean you're backsliding if you're asking questions or challenging what you have heard in church? No, I don't think so. I think it means you want to grow. Does it mean that your child or you might end up walking away from church? I guess that's a possibility. Does it mean that the Bible will be put on the shelf, that the prayers will dry up and that Christ stops being central? I guess that, yeah. That's a, a possibility and that's a risk that you might take. But I also believe that with the freedom to search, there is freedom to find. And I believe that Jesus says so himself. It might not look the way we hoped. It might be a painful journey. It might take longer than we planned and there might be plenty of mistakes along the way. But it is a risk we have to take. There is also the possibility that the answers we find are different from those we expected and the father knows this. And he allows his son to go. 
to experience life for himself. And God knows this, and he allows us to wander off to make our own mistakes. But at the other end of the spectrum is the child who doesn't leave and squander his wealth. We don't know why he chooses to stay. He has a different personality. Perhaps he is afraid of the possibilities. Perhaps he enjoys his mum's cooking too much. Perhaps he just mixes in different friendship groups. Perhaps he feels some sort of obligation. We don't know. If we look at the elder son, we learn that he has stayed with his father. It says so in verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. However, we know that whilst the son has been loyal and hardworking, his heart has filled with resentment and frustration. Verses 28 and 29. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you, gave, you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And what we realise is that there is also a separation between the father and the son in this situation. Although there is physicality between the father and son, they are in the same location, but they appear to have stopped communicating. The son does not know the father's heart. He works hard and is obedient, but does he do so from a true sense of love? Or does he do it because that's what he's always done? Has he become like the Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day? They follow the law exactly and have studied scriptures, but have lost sight of the desire of God to have a relationship with his children and completely miss the Messiah they have been waiting for. I think that one of the saddest people that can be found in a church is the person who has been involved for years but lost the real reason why they come and why they do what they do. So let's pause for a moment and ask ourselves the question, Which of the two sons do I best relate to at the moment? Are you bored of church, fed up with the constraints you feel God puts in your life and you just want to take your share of the good stuff and leave? Or have you been working hard, helping out with all the different groups, clubs and services, etc.? Does it feel like you've given your whole life to the church and no one seems to notice or care? Either way, do you feel separated from God? Have you stopped talking to him? If we are honest with ourselves, we know that time away from God is painful. It's hard. But he doesn't stop us or hold us back. He can see the mistakes we will make. He warns us about them. But we refuse to listen. I love the fact that God lets me make my own decisions and choices. I love the freedom he gives me. I'm not so keen on the messing up. And I never like having to recognise my weaknesses and mistakes. And I especially dislike having to apologise. But I would resent it if God put reins on me to control my movements. Just as we would hate it if our parents or carers controlled us. But as, but as a lesson for all parents and carers, we must give our children freedom. I've heard it said that if our parents give us freedom, it's not 
that they don't love us. It's that they love us enough. We aren't their property, but they get to borrow us for a while. And just so you know, it's not easy. It hurts. It hurts the Father. It causes God pain to see us turn our backs on him. But it is also a risk worth taking. Because without freedom to leave, we are prisoners. Without the freedom to turn our backs, there is no freedom to turn towards God and to choose to accept to follow Christ. Without a freedom to reject, there is no freedom to accept God's love for us. And so we come to the best part of the story, the reuniting and the reconciliation. The younger son in the story learned some important lessons. He learned, I imagine, the importance of family, of hard work, of humility, love and forgiveness. I imagine he learned the need to rely on others and the reasons for discipline. He had fun initially, but life became very difficult very quickly. I don't think he would have learned these lessons if he was not free to make his own choices and to make his own mistakes. And yet the elder son is filled with resentment. He doesn't turn to his father and he doesn't celebrate with him. He turns his back on his father's will and desire to celebrate because he still feels separate and distant. Do we know that if for some reason we were to end up leaving this church, or indeed the wider church, that we would be welcomed back at any time? Do we know that, do our children know that they are free to make their own decisions and to make their own mistakes, but that our homes will always be welcome to them? Do they know that despite lifestyle choices we might disagree with, that our children are constantly prayed for? Do they know that whilst they are still a long way off, you will see them and run towards them to hug and to celebrate, not to condemn? Do you know that even if you have been around for ages, perhaps You've been a deacon, a house group leader, a member of the band. You've led services, preached, served coffees, helped with a children's group. That if you feel distant from God, he wants you to know his love. He doesn't want you to be involved because of some obligation, but because you love him and he loves you. Do you know that if you are feeling separated from God, far from Christ, that while you are still a long way off, your Father sees you, and filled with compassion for you, he will run to you. He longs to throw his arms around you and to kiss you. Do you know that the Father longs to say, welcome home, my child, welcome home. We're going to sing the song, Thank You for Saving Me. Um, But I'd like to invite you that if maybe something that I've said this morning, maybe if you are feeling that little bit tired and frustrated and maybe a little bit distant from God, that you would like to take this opportunity to allow God to wrap his arms around you and to say, Welcome home.
that if you'd like someone to pray with you or just to chat with someone, then I know Roger Armstrong is going to head over somewhere in that corner, I think, um, and maybe a couple of others. Um, And if you'd like to do that, then feel free to take this opportunity um, to just reflect and to spend some time in God's presence.